and welcome to Blue Rotti, a London's Blue podcast dedicated to the Chelsea women's team. I am your host, Jessica Humphreys, joined today by Ollie Glanville. We had started this podcast already, um, but uh, we were so excited about the Chelsea game today, we wanted to record for you straight away. So we went to a lovely place called the Park Brewery and then they turned the rugby on. So we now find ourselves sat in a slightly chilly brewery garden. I think we're past the point in the year where it's really acceptable to sit in a brewery garden at this time of night, Ollie. But hey, listen, sometimes you've got to be dedicated to the podcast. Listen, the game's the game, you know. Um, <laughs> it's what it is. Uh, yeah, We're in rugby country in, in southwest London, so it's sort of par for the course at this point. Um, so it is what it is, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, good luck to Ireland and New Zealand and whatever is going on, because I can't say I really understand it. But um, we are obviously coming off the back of a 2-0 Chelsea win over West Ham. Chelsea's first game at home at Kings Meadow this season. Goals from Sam Kerr and Aaron Cuthbert. Bringing together, I think, a win that was comfortable, if not comprehensive. Yeah, I think that's a fair characterization. You know, we're up against a Rianne Skinner team that um, is really well coached, to be honest. Um, I thought at times they counterpressed us really well. And then, ironically, we got our first goal from a really good counterpress. Um, so we used their kind of medicine against them. But uh, yeah, they were really tough to break down. And I think they'll give a lot of teams a lot of problems this season. Yeah, and I, I was speaking to someone at the end of the game and I was saying, for me, I just feel like at this point in the year when you have that international break on the horizon, which is such an early international break to have, but you've sort of got four games before everyone goes off again. You just want to get as many points on the board as possible. And yeah, especially when teams are sort of figuring each other out. We've got players coming back to full fitness. That just feels so crucial in terms of of just making sure you don't have any fuck-ups, basically. And I think Chelsea got through it pretty comfortably in that sense. Um, a bit of an interesting lineup today, though, Ollie. It did kind of end up as a 3-4-3. I think before the game started, we weren't exactly sure whether it would be a back-four, back-three. That absence of Guru writing that we found out on Friday, me official also not available for this game, that felt like it really impacted the way Hayes wanted to set up and it's really telling about how important Wrighton is in this team. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, we were discussing were well, there going to be two tens behind a Sam Kerr? You know, was there going to be a sort of elbow four or a proper back five with wing backs? And we we did get essentially a proper back five with wing backs, right? Um, with those two tens of uh, Fran and Lauren behind uh, Sam in the end. But what I will say is I think given the absence of Gura Wrighton, then she is a massive miss for any club in the world, right? But Neve is doing a passable impression at the moment. I mean, she's really at the stage now where she's stepping up and really being the difference maker for this Chelsea women's side. And once again, it's a left-footed cross, you know? <laughs> she, she, keeps, she keeps coming out with these brilliant deliveries and, you know, absolutely world-class header from Sam Kerr. Um, and after that, we just looked, pretty comfortable really um you know there were some initial rusty phases and that will happen right because of the lack of fitness of a lot of our key players like sam uh you know like fran and it was at times quite lethargic but also at times we saw some magic play i mean the second goal was wonderful but you know some of the interplay especially in the second half i thought at times was brilliant um and against this West Ham team, that is tough to do. Yeah, and I think something that really 
stood out to me in terms of how the team played across the match was a relaxed feeling that even though there were points where I felt like West Ham were on top, there were points where, you know, like it wasn't like West Ham were just camped in their half of the pitch and we were like constantly raining shots on them. There there were, you know, like five, ten minute portions where they were like in our half, but there was just this real comfort, I think, in terms of knowing how we wanted to play, knowing how we were set up and feeling confident that we were con- going to contain whatever they had. So that lineup, as it was, was... Zajira Musevic continuing in goal. I think it's fair to say at this point, like, we have a number one goalkeeper and it is Zajira Musevic, for better or for worse. I mean, we didn't really see her do much today, so hard to really comment on sort of where that leaves things. A back three, Millie Bright, Maren Mielda and Jess Carter, Ashley Lawrence and Neve Charles playing at wing-backs, Millie Loipolt and Sophie Ingle in a double pivot together and then a front three of Lauren James, Sam Kerr and Frank Herbie. Just quickly, I want to start talking about the back three and its configuration how sort of intrigued were you like what did you make of the decision for Mielda to be that deeper center back and Millie Bright be the the right-sided one it's not really the way we've seen that configuration be used in the moments we've kind of had these this set of players available to play it yeah, I mean, you know, you expect the most dynamic player of the three, in this case, clearly Jess Carter, <laughs> to be the kind of backstop, right? Uh, we were discussing in the stadium um, that Marin maybe is considered like an, a more maybe aggressive player, the kind of front foot player that wants to step into midfield. And at times in the second half, actually, she was almost forming a pivot with Erin as, as that kind of that kind of sweeper role, um, which was really interesting to see, actually. But I do wonder if it was a tactical decision around a say um, and having that kind of confidence in the 1v1 defending out wide with Millie um, against their wing back, or Lisa Evans, and on the other side, Jess against the other wing back. So I think potentially that was the tactical decision there and just allowing Marin to clean up and play out from the back. Um, but yeah, it's a really interesting one. And, and that was the discussion, right, with the back five, who would be that central pivot. So... Yeah, interesting one. Yeah, because obviously when I saw the team sheet, that that was partly my question of whether we could potentially be playing a four was that obviously that Marin could be playing a right back and Lawrence could have been a left back. Uh, and that obviously wasn't the case in the end. And I, I think, you know, it is important to talk about the way West Ham set up. I think they really wanted to prioritise sort of those fast runners. They set up in a back three as well. Shannon Cook, Howard Sissoko and Kirsty Smith all ahead of Mackenzie Arnold with Evans and Anouk Denton as their wing backs. A really interesting, very technical midfield pairing. And Reese Shimizu and Honoko Hayashi, which I think is really important, actually, when we, we understand sort of Chelsea's performance and maybe why West Ham were able to have moments of dominance that didn't turn into then actual moments of danger. Because I just think they had two really technical players. that It actually worked a lot better in the midfield than I thought it would, but it didn't go anywhere. I thought it allowed them to have control, which is maybe what you want in these kind of games. You don't want to be overrun, but it didn't really allow them to actually create great opportunities. And then they played a front three of Emma Harris, Rico Yueki and Vivian Asai. I felt like from the start, basically, Ollie, this was a game where Chelsea just... It felt like everyone was a bit resigned to what had to happen, which was that Chelsea had to win. Uh, 
And it felt like Chelsea and West Ham had bought into that idea. And it was just a bit of a case of how and when that happened. Is that like is that unfair of me to say about West Ham? No, that's absolutely fine. I think it's the sort of it's the sort of game that if an opposition fan wasn't watching, they would just see the scoreline and sigh, right? It's a very expected scoreline. Um, and as you're saying, you know, even in the ground, it felt sort of inev- inevitable that we were going to, you know, win. It was just when and why and how it was going to happen. It did feel like Sam was going to score, despite the fact that she didn't look fit at all. Um, she can come up with these world-class moments. And, you know, with that brilliant delivery from Neve, she rose, you know, highest and absolutely he wellied it into the far corner. It was an absolutely wonderful header. Um, but yeah, it, West Ham were, were quite hard to break down. I mean, <laughs> let's make no bones about it. You talked about the midfield and I thought they did work really well for West Ham. It was, as you say, safe possession. They didn't really do much with it. It was inefficient, really, if, we, if we're going to be... Uh, sort of tough about it but yeah I think it was just a matter of getting over the line and getting good minutes into legs because you know we're gonna need Samka she is our starting striker Mia's got a tight groin um but also lovely to see Aggie Beaver Jones come off the bench and uh yeah some chance going around the ground of, of various various <laughs> varieties Ollie and I have two rival chants going on for Aggie Beaver Jones do you want to do your one first well I mean it, you know it's the traditional <laughs> it's the classic it's the traditional I've Aggie 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 oi 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 but not much more I've just gone for Aggie 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 Beaver Jones because I think that works really well. It wasn't catching on in East Stand. Did you get anyone to catch on to yours in West Stand? Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah, wow. we, we had we had ten year old fans oh, uh, chanting it damn. with us. You know, they were starting the chants okay, as well. East Stand, you need to up your game and get on board with my Aggie 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 Beaver Jones chant. Because I've been working on that one for a while. I can't lie. <laughs> Let's just swing back to that sort of first half um, and how Chelsea were looking to play. I think my one element of concern in the way Chelsea wanted to play and how they actually looked was maybe the presence of Sophie Ingle. It's really fascinating to me because we have started with three different double pivots in every single one of these games so far in the WSL season. All of them have had Sophie Ingle in. So we've seen Ingle with Nuskin, we've seen Ingle with Cuthbert, and now we saw Ingle with Leupoldt. And I think at points, Ingle has had has struggled in all of those games. And I think there were points today where, you know, there was moments where the ball was sort of nicked off her foot. There were passes which felt like could have been made and weren't made. And it felt telling that when Erin Cuthbert came on in the second half, and maybe we'll talk specifically about what she did, but it was almost like that was the breath of fresh air where maybe you realise that's what was missing. Why do you think Hayes wants to play Ingle so much and is there something that she's offering that we're missing because I think it can be very easy to see a player who maybe doesn't make the pass makes a mistake and just be like why are they in the team but sometimes there's something more that they're offering that maybe isn't exactly obvious straight away yeah I would say Sophie is one of the people in the team that's quite vocal as well and it I you know for those who haven't been to King's Meadow Chelsea win are not a vocal team. Like they, they, they don't really shout for the ball, <laughs> and that, and it's it's an issue at times. And we'll come on to Ashley Lawrence, who I, who I thought grew into the game a lot. And part of that was that she was showing for the ball and asking for it a bit more down the right hand side. But with Sophie, you know, 
we write her off every season, right? It's a it's a running joke here, essentially. Um, but she is a brilliant destroyer, and she does have a wonder goal in her, um, and she does have that kind of vocal leadership. The issue today was that a lot of the time the ball broke down with her, right? I think that's not unfair to say. Um, she was caught on the ball, as you're saying. And maybe Emma didn't prep for such a technical midfield. I thought, you know, West Ham took advantage of the kind of slower pivot we had, essentially, in, in Melly, who I thought was really dynamic, actually. But between them, they weren't as 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 movable um, as as the West Ham pivot, right? So they were played around a bit. The thing is, though, with Sophie, is that you write her off early in the season and then she'll sit out for a bit. And I think she'll sit out for a bit because Erin will come back to fitness, because Shook will will get uh, more confident and Emma will trust her more. But she will be needed in the run-in. It will just happen. We won't know why. We won't know how. You can't put it off. Sophie Ingle is inevitable. She is inevitable. <laughs> exactly. Inevitable. I'll try and make it happen. Something to work on there. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. But um, the reality is with Sophie, you know, she she will not be around Chelsea women forever, but she will be a key part of it at some point this season, and then she will continue to be for the rest of it. Um, I think if we talk about the pivot going forward, I think going into the second half with Erin. Uh, and Melly and Shook as that three with the two free eights was really, really interesting. And yeah, I think we'll dive into that. Yeah, I think definitely something that today felt really exciting. And I actually think it's something that we mentioned before was, I think Abdullah and I maybe mentioned it in a sort of mailbag episode, was this feeling of the idea of the first game was you have to get through it because we're always rubbish at it. And it was at Stamford Bridge and that mattered. The second game was a whole sort of clusterfuck of madness that honestly, I think, kind of exists beyond quantification and explanation. And this was the game where you you really maybe got to start to see, like, what did Chelsea want to do this season? And for me, all of that felt like it was about options. And I think that's what we saw in portions today. We will take a little ad break here. And when we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about how Chelsea chose to exploit those options as the game went on. So I think something that was also interesting in terms of seeing progression throughout the season was this use of Ashley Lawrence and Neve Charles as wingbacks. And I think something I want to explore here is how they were maybe used in different ways and how they excelled in different ways. I honestly do not have enough praise for Neve Charles at this point in time. I saw she was named player of the match by Sky. I thought that was like fully, fully deserved. She is someone who has really risen to the occasion in terms of seeing a player like Lawrence come in, knowing that Eve Perisette was at the club. You know, the assumption from all of us, Ollie, before the start of the season was that Perisette would probably play on the right and Ashley Lawrence would play on the left. And Neve Charles would do whatever whenever was required of her because we know she always steps up and does whatever. But she has basically at this point played three games in a row at either left back or left wing back or left crooked wing back as is mainly her actual position. And she's not put a foot wrong. Not at all. I mean, it, she's definitely our player of the season so far. I don't think that's arguable, to be honest. Um, she's carrying the attack every single game. By which I mean she is the threat. She's the threat that every single team has to nullify. 
And that's what Man City did really well against us, right? Is is try to nullify that wide threat. So yeah, just to see her step up in the way that she has is just is wonderful. And it's why Emma challenges these players. Like we say it season in, season out. Part of the reason why Emma brings in this kind of constant barrage of new signings and people talk about hoarding is to challenge the people that are there. You know, anyone who's seen the documentary knows it's, you know, it's dog eat dog. If you don't step up, you will be replaced. But Neve constantly, constantly steps up. And I find it so brilliant that, you know, a couple of seasons ago we were discussing Neve and Jess and how really they don't, they might not have a place at the club, right? You know, we're talking about two players who we signed as wingers and they're kind of, you know, putting in a double shift at right back or left back or whatever. And now one of them is carrying our attack and one of them is essentially carrying our defense, right? And that right there is Emma Hayes developing players. Um, and I think that is you know, proof of why we win season in, season out, because change can be a good thing. Yeah, 100%. And I think, yeah, it's testament to, to scouting, to development, to patience, and also to those players buying into it, because I think it's so easy as a player. And I, I really understand it. If you're a player, you want to play minutes. And I think it says a lot about the club, the coaching team, and Hayes, that she is able to convince players that it is worth not potentially starting when you could, ha you know, if you're Neve, like, would she have started every game last season for Liverpool? 100% if she'd stayed there, you know, over the past couple of years. But what do you, like, potentially gain by missing out to then you know, right now be justifiably and sort of be undroppable for Chelsea, you know? And I, I think that's like a really exciting prospect. And I think something I was thinking about when Aggie Beaver-Jones came on is that Chelsea haven't had an academy player come through at the club for a long time, really. And I know Lauren James feels like, you know, I think it, it's right to say that Lauren James is sort of one of our own. But let's be real, her, her much of her like actual development happened at Arsenal and Manchester United. And yes, we've really helped develop over the past couple of years, but it's not quite the same. And seeing Aggie Beaver Jones come on, I was like, it's great. And even though we don't have that specific academy through line, I think we still have some really great players who you can point to in terms of how much, even though they've had to bide their time, they've been able to develop, whether that's Erin, whether that's Jess, whether that's Neve. Um, and I think that's a really exciting thing. No, absolutely. I mean, that is development, right? You have essentially two pathways in football. You either bring your academy through and develop them, or you send them on loan and bring them back, right? And you can kind of call Lauren James's you know period of of success uh you know at United coming up and you know setting the Premier League alight at times as a very very extended loan if you like <laughs> but um yeah the way Emma Hayes develops players is completely undeniable like you cannot look pretty much anywhere else in the league at a team that is now populated by players who came in as you know backups essentially and are now starting at a very very high level for the league leaders and the champions of england yeah 100 percent, and also you know obviously in sort of jess carter's case for england and hopefully i think for neve charles for england too um as i have said before on this podcast um 
let's talk a little bit as well, like when we're thinking about this first half and, and how Chelsea wanted to attack, uh, about Frank Herbie, Frank Herbie's first start in a long, long period of time. Ironically, her last start was against West Ham in the Conti Cup when she did her knee then. Um, I felt like this was a real breath of fresh air in terms of how Chelsea can and want to attack when Fran's on the pitch. Not everything came off. Not everything was perfect. But there's just a level of invention and creativity wherever she pops up that is just so incredible. She's just she's just undeniable, right? I mean, the, the reality is that Fran Kirby operates at such a high level that when you bring her in and she is fit and she is confident, she will try things. You know, we talked about the player last week in terms of Yelena Kankovic, who could be that G replacement, but Fran's still here. Mm. You know, Fran is still that kind of linchpin player that if you really want someone to step up at the very highest level, you can turn to her. And it was so refreshing to see that, you know, when we think about throwback, really short hair, you know, Bob Cut Fran. We OG think Fran. OG Fran, exactly. We think of someone who just would not lose a 50 50. You know, she was, <laughs> she had so much temerity. She would, you know, tenaciousness. She would actually run into a tackle and you would expect her to come out with it. And that's so rare as a forward. You know, maybe Sam Kerr is another good example of that. But to see her go in for challenges, confident and try things, those ideas were there. And yes, they didn't come off at times but she's trying them again and she's comfortable in her body. And the more she steps up in terms of fitness, the more value we're going to get from it. Yeah. And I think also, again, what feels really exciting is seeing actually those players who came on later in the game, feeling like they're genuine options and just, yeah, seeing a squad that feels like there are a lot of players raring to go. And that also one will push Fran because oh my god no one bitched about Sophie Ingle more on the pitch today than Fran Kirby I'll tell you that but um yeah that just that you know Fran someone who's gonna gonna push the team and push players and also there are players who want to come on and want to play those minutes as well which also allows us sort of to rest Fran which I think is is really really important um obviously I think we've kind of been broadly talking about the way Chelsea set up the first half, the key really was that first goal. It was a really sort of, it was a nice counter-pressing move. It was also, I think, a bit of a fuck-up from West Ham, one of the few they actually did make in the game. And I feel like we're really already seeing this season again. Like We get this every season. I think as time goes on, teams just don't have the energy to do it. But like everyone knows who Chelsea are. Everyone wants to try and defend their best against Chelsea. We saw it against City last week. Obviously, they were in a specific situation around that, but they did it really well. I think we saw it again today against West Ham. They made their focus defending against Chelsea, but I think what was really gratifying about the goal that we got before half-time, it so, it's just so important in these kind of games that you don't let it drag on. And that was what we saw against City, right? We let it drag on. We didn't manage to get the goal, which then sort of like forces their hand to think about something else and it was just it just felt good to be like okay this team was like ready to sort of pounce on that error and make a goal happen yeah and and to your point you know West Ham had a plan A 
And when they brought on players, they still had a plan A. Like it was still it was still the main plan. They they didn't have a backup option. And I completely understand against a team like Chelsea that has so much firepower on the bench, so much versatility, you can only plan for one eventuality, right? And the reality is in the first half, Melly had that kind of freer role. Sophie was sitting a bit more in that pivot. And Melly was much more aggressive. Watch what we've seen from her basically since preseason is her comeback and just fight for that place, right? Um, the reason why we got the goal is because she was pressing. And yes, it was a massive fuck up by the West Ham defender, but she won it. And, you know, we were saying to, to Fran to shoot, obviously, but she's much more capable than any of us in the stands. <laughs> There's so, a reason why we're not Fran Kirby. <laughs> quite, exactly. Super Fran Kirby, of course. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, she, <laughs> and, you know, laying out wide. And yet again, Neve looking up, left-footed, and putting it, you know, on a sixpence, on, on Sam's head, and just a wonderful, wonderful header. I can't say enough good things about Sam Kerr's header it was great yeah and I I will say as well I've got so much respect for Sam because I agree with what you said earlier I don't think she looks fully fit right now um but oh my god what she couldn't do with running today she did with getting her head onto balls so much and she got to balls that she had no right to get to and she couldn't always direct them on target but I was like it just sums up what having Sam Kerr plays for your team means that it's like, yeah, she's not really running. And obviously West Ham wanted to sort of sit deeper, but like there was some sort of crazy, like scooped crosses that Lauren James managed to pull out. And somehow Sam was still there getting her head to it, even though no one had any idea where the ball was going. Yeah. If if you, if you came from out of space and you wanted to sum up Sam Kerr, in a nice 10 second segment, you'd probably point to when the ball came in and it was literally about five centimeters off the ground. And Sam, who couldn't, he didn't have the pace or the fitness to get there, literally threw her whole body at it, trying to guide it to the far post. And it missed by not very much, to be honest. Mackenzie Arnold had no idea where it was. So yeah, lovely to see. Yeah, definitely. And um, I've got to shout out, there were a number of uh, Australians around me. I don't know, did you have a lot of Australians in the West Stand? No, I think we had more Dutch people around us, but yeah. Dutch people? I okay, know. interesting. After the game, there were Dutch people, says the mysterious person to Maybe my Maybe they changed left. at half-time, I don't know. Oh, well, yeah, so I had a lot of Australians, which I, I didn't know whether... I, surely they can't have come over for Australia-England, but it did obviously feel related that England men played Australia at Wembley last night. Um, but they were just very excited about the Sam Kerr and Mackenzie Arnold antics. Um, and I heard someone say Mackenzie Arnold, and I'm not going to do an impression, but in the most Australian accent I've ever heard. And I was in Australia for a month for the World Cup, guys. Um, we will take another quick ad break here. And when we come back, we'll talk a bit about some of the changes Chelsea made and how that changed the way they played. So I think, Ollie, <laughs> it's very bizarre that because we were only 1-0 up, I kept expecting to feel nervous about this game. And we've already touched on the fact that I don't think either of us ever really felt nervous about this game. It felt like Chelsea had it in control. But I think the reason why it felt like that was because that the changes Chelsea made and when those players came on, they really took control of the game. So at 56 minutes, we had Aaron Cuthbert and Shukanuskan come on. And I, at the time, thought 
oh Christ, when I saw them, you know, like being called up, because that's obviously right by where I was standing, I thought surely they're not coming on for Leupold and Ingle, because that just felt like such an obvious way of stopping the team from having that sort of fluidity. But obviously, I'm not Emma Hayes, and so, yeah, she didn't do that. Um, Ingle came off for Aaron Cuthbert, and Frank Kirby came off for Shukunuskan. And that in itself was a little bit of a surprise because when we signed Shukunuskan, we thought we were signing a defensive midfielder. We were then told by avid watchers of the Frauen Bundesliga that this is a gal who's actually spent the past year at centre-back for Eintracht Frankfurt, but she doesn't want to play there. And Emma Hayes said she will never play at centre-back for me. Never. Never. And she was so true about never having a play at centre-back. She's going to make her play as a 10. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, we discussed it. It's where she plays for Germany Youth Team, right? <laughs> so it's clearly the obvious choice. But yeah, um, it was a really fascinating... Uh, midfield switch up you know Erin came on and we were expecting someone else to essentially be the anchor there but maybe it was a fitness thing maybe it was just that she you know Emma is is more comfortable with Erin being that deep lying playmaker there but again you know Melly was that dynamic free eight and uh, <laughs> similarly Shook was that dynamic free eight as well they were covering behind the wingbacks both sides uh, it was really fascinating to watch actually covering behind the wing backs but also that box to box midfield breaking into the box so yeah it was really interesting um i really really like the interplay between Melly and ashley lawrence on the right hand side and shook nuskin and neve on the left hand side and going back to your point about how we want to play through the season i think that's what we're going to see a lot that kind of rotational you know on the half turn laying it off as a one two and it was pretty devastating against West Ham. They didn't really have an answer for it. And I'm not sure many other teams in the league would be able to deal with that either, you know, if not in Europe either. So that's definitely one thing to watch. Yeah. And I mean, I've got to just shout out Aaron Cuthbert because I've been using FopMob as a big part of my notes for doing this sort of <laughs> live reaction episode because you know obviously normally I have time to put a little bit of script together to get the best stats to get the best hot takes of Twitter been really on the fly here tonight so with the trusty guys at FopMob and I noticed that they have in their algorithmically I assume designed uh, rating system Erin Cuthbert's player of the match despite the fact she was only on from the 56th minute and I feel like we really saw that she had a lot of space in this game but oh my god she made the most of it oh absolutely I mean for anyone who hasn't seen the second goal today what are you doing go out and watch it <laughs> really like a very very delightful goal. oh it was absolutely beautiful it was, it was like trademark Hayes Chelsea in terms of the the passing through the field but right through the middle scything through West Ham Jesse Fleming with the lovely layoff and just Erin just walking through and tucking it home is absolutely wonderful but maybe you know this even deeper lying role for Erin Cuthbert means that she's like a 
like a proxy box to box, but from really, really deep. <laughs> As like, a six. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like a <laughs> like not a not a third man run, but like a fourth or fifth or sixth <laughs> or something. Um but yeah, she takes her time to get there, but when she gets there, she definitely made the most of it. But it's interesting, right? Because I think I really like that about Aaron and I was also talking to I was watching the game with friend of the pod and of me Flo Lloyd Hughes um, and we were talking about seeing Millie Bright go in a lot stronger for challenges and at points she got she got spun and we were saying oh it's very clear obviously that you know she really understands that in that right side of centre back role she has players behind her that allow her to to go for that so even if she loses out doesn't matter and I felt the same almost about Erin playing in that role how how much do you think that that real freedom we got from Erin was because we had a back three behind her and then as a result like do you think that that is maybe the direction we should be leaning in yeah absolutely I I well, maybe not absolutely, but but definitely, I think we should investigate it. <laughs> I think I think this is definitely All right, Detective Pikachu. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is definitely something that I want to look into because you know, if this is the way to use that horrible footballese, which is unlock Erin Cuthbert, right? And we thought that would be to play Shook alongside her in a pivot, or at least I did. But if it is to play the three behind her in the way that Emma wanted to last season and it didn't quite work, but maybe now we have, you know, the personnel to do it. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. You know, Erin Cuthbert is absolutely one of the best midfielders in the world. I don't think that's arguable when she's on her game. You want to play through her. You know, you want her to be a key player for this team. And if playing through behind her gives that freedom and allows her to break the lines um, and score goals, because Erin Cuthbert can score goals and she tries to from outside the box pretty much every game. Yeah, we need we need to investigate that further. And today she even managed to get that second goal from inside the box. And what was was a very, very nice move. All of that. Um, We should give a shout out as well though I think to another sub who came on a little bit later but that was Aggie Beaver Jones who I was surprised she would come on earlier given what I thought of Samuel's fitness and who we had available um, but again just felt like someone who actually I thought I think Neve had really started to motor in that second half already but I felt like when Aggie came on I don't know whether it's maybe like for Neve as well, feeling like she's becoming a more senior member of the squad. I think, you know, she's now sort of 24 years old. Obviously, someone like Aggie is more like 20 years old. It felt like Neve almost took more responsibility when Aggie Beaver Jones was on to sort of create for her. And then Aggie was there as the willing runner. She had one absolutely fantastic shot that, was well saved by Mackenzie Arnold. If it had gone in, it would have been an incredible way to announce her return to Chelsea. And I think we've not really necessarily touched on this that much, but, you know, Aggie Beaver Jones was someone who reportedly had interest from West Ham, from Everton in terms of a permanent deal in January. She has obviously chosen to come and compete at Chelsea. And... There were players on the bench, Johanna Rusin-Kanarid, Elena Shankovic. They're not all players who are going to play 
ABJ's position. She is someone who can play as a nine, and she did play as a nine. But let's be real. If Emma Hayes didn't think there was something there, she would have shuffled that pack to make sure Neve was up top, or who knows, Millie was up. If she didn't trust her, she wouldn't have been on the pitch. She'd have made it work. And I think from what we saw, we might be in for an exciting ride. Absolutely. I mean, if she can have an attempt like that where she cuts inside and almost scores an absolute worldie from 30 yards every game, I mean, (laughs) sign me up, really. But I think you touched on it. That phrase, willing runner, is like such a massive thing, especially with, with Sam coming up to full fitness she looked about 75 percent today to me you know Mia's got a tight groin we don't know when she'll be back hopefully next game but we you know probably not fully fit if we're honest about it this is an opportunity for Aggie and she grasped it to me she was asking for the ball constantly she was making those runs over the top and more importantly the players around her were trusting her with the ball they was they you know they were saying okay you make that run and I will pass to you I'm not going to ignore that I'm going to play you in and whether that was down to fatigue on their part and wanting to get the ball up the field whatever but to me that is part of that trust right and as you you know you said Emma does not trust people she doesn't think can win games for her or get things done or win trophies with right and I think she really really values the idea that Aggie wants to fight knowing that there are essentially two players right in front of her in her favoured position. You know, we even saw her at left wing back against Roma, right? But she wants to be here and play and fight. And ideally, obviously, start. Um, And who knows, in this run, she could get a start, um, especially if there are injuries around her. But those kind of players are the glue for Chelsea women. The squad players that you bring in when you need them most especially when you're in all the cups, when you're expected to go really far in all the trophies, these sorts of players are the ones that need to step up. Yeah, and it goes back to exactly what we're saying, that, you know, the step-ups that we've seen from Neve and Jess is exactly what we hope we will get to see from Aggie. And, you know, I know she maybe seems like sort of the third-choice nine at this point, but... Also, given where Neve Charles is excelling sort of at left back, there is a very nice gap sort of as Guru Wrighton's understudy at left wing still at the club. And, you know, maybe that's something that Chelsea might be looking to invest in in the future. I genuinely don't know. But I feel like Aggie Beaver Jones has a fantastic opportunity this season to sort of nail that down as a position that she could really, really go for. Just want to finish off with a little bit of Lauren James chat because I feel like LJ had probably the best chances in the game, to be honest. Um, Two opportunities which you'd have liked to see her score, to be totally honest. Um, But still someone who I felt was hugely influential in the game, continued to be that outlet when it came to ball retention, when it came to ball progression. Um... I don't want to focus too much on the misses because I just think LJ is on a path, I hope, to becoming a prolific goal scorer, but I'm I think she's taking the right steps and I'm not gonna be mad in what off one game that she's not there yet to take every single opportunity, especially when we saw Sam Kerr score sort of one header out of four. That I think tells you everything from someone who's incredibly prolific goal scorer about what those opportunities actually look like. But what did you make of her performance today? Yeah, I mean, it was a mixed bag. I think 
before the goal, especially, we were almost over relying on her. I think we were giving her the ball and just expecting her to do something. Um, I go back to the fact that we weren't really getting Ashley Lawrence in the game a lot. And I think that also played into the fact that Lauren was having to kind of carry the right side at times because she was just being given the ball back to goal. And at times she was taking the ball at right back, right? And, and having to carry it forward. So you could see she was getting frustrated and felt like she was isolated in the game. But yeah, the first big chance she had when she opened her body and, and tried to play it under Mackenzie Arnold, I thought she could have gone high. I also thought it was a very good save, to mm. be fair, um, from where I was sitting anyway. I've, I've not watched it back. But yeah, it, it's a tough one. You want her to get those chances, right? What we've not seen from Lauren is running through. Yeah, I <laughs> like, think that's exactly it. Like I would prefer to see her miss chances from those positions because last season... I never saw her miss those chances because she wasn't there. I'd almost argue it's like a progression. <laughs> I'd almost argue it's it's her seeing that opportunity to go, hold on, I'm missing out on loads of goals here by not, you know, bursting past the defence and running onto those balls because they're high XG chances, right? They're, they're big chances that you can run onto. So, yeah, I like that development, to be honest. Um, let's see more of it. Amen to that. All right, let's finish off with a little quick player of the match. Ollie, who are you going for? I mean, according to FootMob, it's got to be Aaron Cuthbert off the bench. But um, <laughs> I I probably would say Neve Charles. Um, I think she is the player of the season so far. I think she's stepped up when we've really needed her with Guru not being fully fit and then just being out right <laughs> she's had to step into that hole that we've discussed with uh, Aggie Beaver Jones might step into as well but yeah I think she's just been brilliant to watch at the moment you are the voice of the people Ollie Glanville because that is what Twitter is saying as well handing Neve Charles the down of the match I think Neve had a fantastic game but I might also go with FopMob and give it to Erin just because I felt like that was a performance that for me made the game feel secure and made me feel excited and made me feel like we were going to score again um and she did then <laughs> score and then sort of wrap it all up in a bow so i will give it to Aaron cuthbert as well so, sometimes they're harsh on players who don't start sometimes they they deserve it from my end um well thank you ollie for joining me in this very cold outside recording let's make this the last recording we do outside this year i think this is the only time I, I think from here we can't do another 40 minutes outside it's gonna get too cold in england guys uh <laughs> for any more of this but it was great to do an initial reaction maybe next time the park brewery won't be showing the rugby no offense to the park brewery lovely place to go if chelsea are at king's meadow on a friday saturday they won't be at Kings Meadow on a Friday or Saturday. Next time they're here, Chelsea are playing Brighton. Oof. It's that derby. <laughs> the we might lose it derby. We are on a record-breaking 17-game winning run. And here come the Seagulls over the hill. Yeah, squawking away. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's a really interesting one, isn't it? I'm actually really looking forward to that game, um, especially off the back of the second half. Um, and yeah, beer again for Big Tree, uh, but also for Aaron Cuthbert. 
Erin Guthbert, Big Tree. They won't have Nikki Everard, so they'll be fucked without her. I'll tell you that for free. Um, can't bring you any other WSL results because none of the other games have happened tomorrow, but I guess keep an eye out maybe for that, that Arsenal-Villa result. That's probably the interesting one to look at tomorrow. Um, Arsenal playing at the Emirates again. But... We will be back midweek for some more Chelsea women's chat. Until then, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.